blue skies cool. They seduce us, pulling us irresistibly upwards, reminding us to fly our own line, on our wings and in life. We are the seekers, adventurers, being one with the air, feeling everything and nothing at once. That's the magic we chase. Follow the call. Find your pure wild flight with NZ Aerosports. Coming straight from the cockpit, it's another episode of Lunatic Fringe with the fucking pilot. Ready, set, go. All right, we are back in the can with another edition of Lunatic Fringe Into the Void. Uh, this week, I am your host, Zedge Emski, and I am here today with Alex Raymond. Alex, who the fuck are you and what the fuck do you do? Who the fuck am I? <laughs> that is an excellent question. Very, oh, a lot well. of introspection out here, you know? Oh, man. Uh, well, right now, I mean, I'm a skydiver, obviously. Um, no, I'm the Southeast Regional Director for USPA, but my term is about to be up in February. I uh, did my my attempt at a national director run, but that was unsuccessful this time around. Um, I think Brandon is going to have fun with the Southeast region. Good luck to him. <laughs> at least I don't have to deal with all these assholes down here anymore very much. So, <laughs> From the sounds of it, you're not going to be running for, for, for Southeast again. <laughs> no, you know, it's it's one of those things like regional director, I honestly think is a lot more work than the national director stuff. It really is. We get all of the the problem children, if you will. Yeah, I can see all the local stuff kind of falls on, on you before it can go any higher, right? All the disciplinary actions, all of that stuff. When yeah. people decide to tell me things. <laughs> <laughs> all right, wow, we already have so much to unload, you know? Um, oh, man. All right, so first <laughs> off, you already mentioned this time around. So you're already hinting at possibly running again for national? Uh, I mean, maybe at some point, you know, we'll give it the three years. It's a, it'll be kind of a nice break from being on the go and everything the last few years. Although, you know, I haven't been on a team the last two years with COVID and everything going on. I haven't had the opportunity to be on a competitive team and just kind of been getting my life together. So it'll be a weird little break from not having much responsibilities. Wait, so you're a regional director who previous to that was a competitive skydiver uh-huh and a so, judge and a judge all right so you're a regional who is actually active in the sport oh my god what a novel concept. oh my god right seriously i think my bias <laughs> is showing um all right well no you know let's before we get into all the stuff that you did as regional um and what that was like how about we talk a little bit further back what, what who the fuck are you and what the fuck have you done because yeah. you just mentioned uh, you know being a competitive skydiver being a judge Let's discuss that background a little bit as well, because that, that probably plays a big role in explaining why you were a regional and why you got what you did accomplish. For sure. So, I mean, I started jumping back in 2011 was my first tandem. Um, and then I did AFF December 2012 into land. Really was a super scared skydiver. Um, when I first started, actually, I really enjoyed I went through skydive university. So I was able to get tunnel time before I did my first jump and everything. And that was really helpful for me to be able to overcome any of those fears. Um, fast forward that I got in a four way real quick at like 30 jumps because of the, the help of the NSL in Orlando at that time, they were giving us free tunnel time and it was great. <laughs> Kurt Gable. Um, he just got the, uh, 
what award? One of the one of the USTA awards. I think the gold medal uh, award. He's been doing this stuff a long time, but he was definitely instrumental in helping us with that. So I got into competition real, real young, and that helped kind of draw me into everything else that I've been doing throughout the sport. All right. So you started doing four way. Yep. Uh, how, how long did that stick around? Did four way. I tried to put together an all girls team out of Deland, just like the rookie class of NSL for a while. Did that about a year and then went to nationals uh, with another team out of Deland back in 2015. And I think we placed like 11th or 13th or something like that, which was whatever. It was fun. It was great. Um, and then the next year got pulled right into doing advanced eight way with blacksmiths. So did the all female team that year. Um, and then quickly also started judging wingsuiting. So, you know, my, uh, my boyfriend at the time, he was on the, the U S wingsuit team and that was back in 2015. And I had gone over to England and kind of learned a lot about the wingsuit competition, got super into it and became a judge, I think in like 2017. So right. got into that pretty quick. Slight transition going from belly to getting into the wingsuit community. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's definitely a different group of characters. <laughs> that is for sure. I mean, if you want to throw out some stereotypes about one community versus oh, the other, man. I'm all about hearing that stuff <laughs> from from an yeah. insider. Like, let's hear the real dirt. Man, I don't, I don't know. I'm pretty sure wingsuit performance competitors are the nerdiest people in skydiving. I mean, it's like you literally, you walk around a competition and, and again, this is back in 2015. This was the first World Wingsuit Cup and nobody like really had any idea what was going on. Everyone was super friendly, but everyone was just sitting around at computers, right? And you're like, okay, what is, what's going on right now? And everyone's got GPS units. They've got their fly sites and they're like, all right, I got to plug it in and I got to check it out. And you're like, what in the hell is this group of people right now? Are they worse than the swoopers? Oh, man, I don't know. The thing is, I haven't really been to a whole lot of swoop comps. So okay, I haven't really yeah. seen, but I don't think the supers are as much sitting around their computers. I mean, I know they use the technology, they use the fly sites, but it's, it's, <laughs> it's a whole different group of people. The acro guys, the acro guys are super fun. They just don't give a shit. They're, <laughs> I mean, they're like, we're going to go fly around the sky and do fun things and it's great. And they're always super fun. Uh, I can think of a couple of acro guys. guys are... I feel like I need an interview now just to get their response to that, to that, uh, to that comment. And you probably know exactly what I'm talking about. (laughs) Probably. Yeah. There's, there's definitely some, some fun ones, but then, I mean, you know, bring it back to FS and four way. And I mean, it's been around forever. So you have a whole big mix of the guys who've been doing it forever. The old school guys, the ones who you're kind of scared to watch under canopy. Um, (laughs) and, uh, and then you have like the new belly people. So it's cool. You know, I, I really like being in both environments because you kind of get to see everything. And now you have the speed skydivers and that is a whole yeah. different thing too, because a lot of the bigger guys are like, Oh, well, I'm fat. I should be good at this. <laughs> and you're like, no, there's a little bit more to it. <laughs> so that's been really fun. And they're learning more about the technology that the wingsuit performance guys and the swoopers have been using for a while with the fly sites and, you know, with Kyle Lobbery, man, yeah. he's a machine. He was he was just crushing it in Siberia. Him <sighs> and Maxine on the female side, obviously. God, Maxine but too. You know who blew me away? Mm-hmm. Like Kyle, we were kind of expecting it coming into the comp, though. You know, he is yeah. like the beast of speed. Mike Brewer, though, this dude. tiny little scrawny dude who is a yep. ninja in the air. When I yep. saw the numbers he was putting down, I was just like, Brewer, what is up, man? 
I know. And, you know, and I was like, so sad that he didn't come back this year. But I mean, things happen, right? Yeah, but hey. Yeah, you know, I, that's another one of those new disciplines that, you know, it's it's kind of like 12, but people don't like it's it's kind of a thing that people sometimes do. But now mm-hmm. I think it's getting a lot more attention. I mean, there's definitely been been traction and hell, I just ready for this. I did an interview with the fucking New York Times. Like I, what the <laughs> hell? I, I was I was, I was like, yeah. I was at I Maxine's in Utah when she got when she did the interview for her part. I'm like, how, how I got, awesome I got an is email that? And I'm like, the fucking New York Times is calling me right now. This is weird. This is weird. <laughs> what was that like? What but was like? It was, was cool. Like they were like, yeah, we... like... <laughs> I mean, it was. I was a little worried because I, <laughs> I was like, this is this is a serious like professional interview. I I, I don't really know how to handle this. But no, I, I I contacted Shannon right away when I got the email, and I was like, Shannon, this guy from the New York Times just contacted me. I don't know what to do. And she was like, Oh my god, really? And I was like, Yeah. She sends me to the HR department from USPA or whoever their people are. And they like send me a prep sheet. And I was like, Oh God, is this like super serious? And I mean, no, it was, it was really cool. And, you know, we just kind of chatted about speed skydiving as a sport and how it was, you know, I was the chief judge this year for nationals and how things have just grown. And, you know, of course I'd try to talk him into doing a tandem, which I think I'll be able to get him to do next year. Um, so it's gonna be uh, a, I love how you, I, you keep mentioning it. It's like a real serious interview, not like you know, some drinks what with your right buddy's now? edge. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what are you drinking over Cheers. there? Allagash White, man. I love right. you know, I'm, I miss my Maine stuff. I lived in Maine yeah. for three years and I'm, I miss the good New England beer. God, there's some good beer up there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, dr- I'm drinking Corona Light because I'm coming back from having a strep throat right now, so I can't really taste everything. But I figure strep is kind of like COVID 19 light. So Corona lights are appropriate, you know, it's totally appropriate. Absolutely. Um, (laughs) All right. So a little bit of belly and then we got into the judging stuff. Did you actually get into the wingsuiting yourself? Um, I've seen some photos of you in a wingsuit. (laughs) I started wingsuiting back in 2014, 15, 16. I don't know. One of those years. Um, But in that time frame, I've only gotten about 200 wingsuit jumps and you know, I fly my ATC and I have a Swift three and I love them. And I finally just got in my new horizon 135 from PD this week, which I'm about to hook up this weekend. And I'm super excited about being able to fly that and both my saber threes. So I'm, I'm really excited to have brand new canopies. So, wait, um, so you have two wingsuits, you have very specific <laughs> canopies for wingsuiting, but you don't take it seriously. Uh, <sighs> listen, <laughs> You gotta have the right tools for the job, right? I mean, I, I prefer to wingsuit a wingsuit canopy when I do actually sense. wingsuit. And I'd like to do more of it. I mean, I'm not a great wingsuiter. I've been around it for a while. So people just automatically think I'm like pretty decent. No, I'm really not. <laughs> but I, I wanna do more of it. Um, there's a few wingsuiters here at the farm. So, you know, here and there can kind of get back into it. Um, gotcha. Yeah, so you're at the farm now. Um, I am. Scott of Georgia. Yep. Scott of Georgia. Nice. Yeah. Um, yep. All right, so. Now we kind of gave a little more background, you know, coming up in the belly world, getting exposed to the judging world. And then what, four years ago, you decided to, uh, I want to run for USPA. So I started, well, man, actually, I started working for Randy before I even decided to run for the board. I was kind of involved in the rule writing process because I, it's kind of what I do for work in general anyway. You know, I'm a behavior analyst. for all of our yeah. uh, listeners who don't know who Randy is, kind of give a little, maybe a l- l- little, <laughs> little props sure. to Randy. Sure. 
Randy Connell. Uh, Randy Connell was the previous uh, director of competitions and records for USPA. And so back then, like I'm a behavior analyst for work. I work with autistic kids, been doing it for almost 15 years now, which is a crazy number in my head. Um, 15 years feels like a really long time to be doing anything. But so I do a lot of with like rule writing and stuff like that. And Randy kind of had found out my talents back in 2015 uh, at the World Wingsuit Cup in Netherhaven. And so chatting about it, he's like, man, I could really use some help rewriting some of the, the competition manual. And I was like, all right, cool. So I got contracted by USPA and by him and helping him rewrite some rules. And except for artistic, I won't touch that discipline. <laughs> but, <laughs> but for the rest of the manual, I was helping him write some stuff. Um, and then from there, I started going to the board meetings. And at the board meeting, uh, let's see, Tom Noonan was going to be retiring from the board. Yep. Rest in peace, man. Yep. That was a rough one. Um, Albert was going to be running for national director. And both of them kind of looked at me and they were like, you should run for regional. And I was like, what? <laughs> Why? Okay. I mean, is it hard? Like, what am I doing? They're like, no, 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 you'll be fine. I was like, okay, cool. So I ended up running for regional and, uh, <laughs> I didn't really campaign much per se on that. I campaigned a little bit, but I am going to give a little, give a little shout out to Key and Patrick over at Jump Georgia, who kind of <laughs> ran my campaign a little bit. Uh, so that was that was fun, and uh, I managed to get elected. And it it was a really good three years on the board. You know, I ended up on the competition committee, and I ended up on the governance committee. And I had no idea what the governance committee was. Um, but same thing, you know, talking about rule writing and things like that, Ray Lalo as the secretary, uh, for the board and the chair of the governance committee kind of pulled me in and was like, Hey, I'd really like your help looking over some of these documents and stuff. And I was like, yeah, sure. That works. So that's kind of how I ended up on governance. Um, but then competition, competition committee is, is my baby. I love being on that, you know, and I'm going to be kind of sad to not be on that the next few years, but you know, I can, I can kind of still go in as a uh, consultant or whatever you will. If I want to, I don't know. We'll see what happens. <laughs> and so if you had to split up how much of your time as regional director was focused on regional level stuff that was specific just to your states and your territory versus dealing with the national stuff of being on the committees and the national at large, how do you think that would break down? Uh, I mean, I would say being at the regional level, man, Florida and Georgia is tough. <laughs> There's a, there's a lot of drop zones. There's a lot of people, um, you know, a lot of things going on. So inherently there tends to be a lot of things that might go wrong. So there were a lot of disciplinary actions, a lot of things you have to deal with, you know, injuries, fatalities, and that's the not so fun part of being in this position. Um, I learned a lot about the processes. I learned a lot about how disciplinary actions work, how not remorseful people can be about certain things and just the general character of course my dog's squeaking on the toy now <laughs> <laughs> uh you know how how people can just be you know uh most skydivers are great you know you want to believe everyone is inherently a good human and you try I try to give everyone the benefit of the doubt and i try to really get <laughs> all of the um, i don't know I try to make, I try to make sure that I give people a fair shot, you know, when it comes to giving them a chance to defend their positions of things that they might've just fucked up on once, you know, 
like if you don't know that it's okay to go up and have a sunset load beer, you know, things like that. That may be a, uh, oh, I thought it was just tradition. Well, yeah, I mean, maybe it is, but man, keep that shit off Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> no, what she meant to I'm say is don't do it. Yeah, not don't do it in the first it. place. But if you're going to do it, don't be an idiot about it. <laughs> Basically. Yeah. Basically. But you learn a lot of people are idiots and that they don't know the rules and they don't know what can actually get them in trouble. Yeah. And so that, that definitely takes up a lot of the time, you know, and being that I have a full-time job and I mean, granted it's, it's a nice flexible full-time job, but between real work and then doing AFF and videographer stuff on the side, you know, making time for the director duties is definitely something that would be a lot easier if I were a full-time skydiver. That is absolutely 100% for sure. Which makes it difficult for people who want to be involved and be in that position to, for me to say, oh yeah, this would be great if you were a full-time skydiver. But the reality is that most of us aren't. <laughs> most yeah. of us are not full-time skydivers. We all have a whole lot of different stuff to do. So wanting to be involved and wanting to be on the board, it's, it's definitely a tough balance. But I would say throughout most of the, throughout most of the year, there's not necessarily a whole lot that has to do with the board as a whole, you know, there, there'll be a few things that come in here and they're like, Oh, Hey, we have to talk about this rule change for competition that needs to happen like right now. And it's like, cool. Let's either do a quick zoom meeting or let's just do a email um, vote. And you know, that's, that's pretty much it. Or things will come through governance, same kind of stuff. Um, but I think the majority of the time was definitely spent duty wise on disciplinary actions, <laughs> unfortunately. I could also see that being a little bit uh, a very specific thing of the Florida region. I could see you guys having a little bit more of that. I mean, again, a lot of members down here, a lot of drop zones down here. Yeah, no, and that's exactly what I mean. You know? Yeah. People come down there on vacation all the time and just goof off. Yeah. And you have a larger population than almost anywhere else in the country, arguably. Yeah, for sure. I'm yeah, pretty sure we mention... even... Good. Oh, no, I was just going to say between, like, I think in, like, my region and... I don't know, maybe Josh's region out in California might be the two largest because of all the people out there. Maybe Texas. I don't know. Texas is split into like four regions. So who knows? <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, while we're on this topic, before we move on, the governance committee, because you've mentioned it multiple times, is another thing that I think a lot of skydivers don't really know what the hell they do. Um, and I, I think mean, so... It, it, <sighs> Yeah, like what, even when you brought it up, like we got on the governance committee, like what the hell is this? Yep. Uh, with the governance committee, you know, basically the USPA is governed by a set of rules. You know, they are a, a what is it? A charitable organization. Can't think of what it's called right now. Nonprofit. Five one C three. That one. Thank you. Five one C three. Um. So there's a certain set of rules that they have to go by, and there are certain things in the governance manual that have to be followed based on the state that the USPA is incorporated in, blah, 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 all of that, you know, boring stuff. But basically, so we're kind of in charge of making sure that everything in there is right and legal. And we can't just add things to be like, oh, well, we want USPA to do this, you know, um, talking about going to the Jedi stuff, right? There's things that we can't just necessarily add, we have to go in and make sure that it's gone through all the legal things and make sure that it's all copacetic before we can get it in there so that nobody gets in trouble nobody gets sued anymore than we already <laughs> do yeah so yeah, that, mean, that's kind of what, really what we do in governance <laughs> getting sued anymore i know i just mean that you know like there's always lawsuits going on yeah 
you know, and, and that's one thing that, that members don't necessarily see either is all that background stuff. It's like, oh, well, USPA money. And I'm like, well, sometimes USPA money is fighting lawsuits to keep drop zones open, keep airports open. You know, there's, there's a lot going on. Yeah. Behind the scenes. All right. Um, and so perfect chance to bridge topics because you just happen to bring up uh, Jedi, which obviously is a, a big thing that you're passionate about, something that I've actually been pretty vocal about. Uh, obviously, Melissa has been very, Melissa Nelson has been very vocal about. So let's, uh, let, let's cross over in that big rigmarole. And uh, yeah. for, first off, talk about <laughs> what it is, and then we can talk about the progress that was or was not made. Man, yeah, you know, I, I really wish I could talk more about what it actually is. But the thing is, I didn't see much of the presentation. And the problem with that was because a lot of it happened in safety and training committee. And because of being on the competition committee, safety and training and competition meet at the same time. So you probably even saw or know more about the Jedi stuff than I might even right now. Um, I know we talked a bit about giving SNTAs a little bit of structure on how to handle these kind of situations on the drop zone. And that's something that I really would have liked to go through. There was some wording in there. Um, it was a motion that didn't get passed this time around uh, to put wording in the SNTA handbook of how to handle situations of you know, sexual harassment or any other of those sensitive kind of topics that come up. And I definitely think it's important to be able to give those people who are in those leadership positions, either DZOs, DZMs, STAs, some sort of resources to assist when anything happens, you know, on their drop zone. Yeah. Can you hear the squeaky toys? <laughs> I can totally hear the squeaky toys. Gotta love puppers. <laughs> but yeah, so, I mean, as far as, I know that the the motion didn't actually pass. Um, I know that Melissa and uh, I think it was Nicole that, that went out there with yes. her to do the presentation. Um and yeah, I know that they, they, they were trying to push that and I know that it, it did get shut down, but was it because of legal issues or because of legal concerns or what, what, what happened there? Man, I really wish I knew, honestly, okay. I, that, that... I had brought up, I had brought up that I was wondering if there were any legal concerns over it. Um, and it seemed like it had already gotten looked into and that that wasn't the case. So I just don't know if. I feel like some people on the board don't feel like it's USPA's place. Got it. And I think that's just kind of where that failed was, is USPA overreaching by putting these types of things in a place? I do think they, that's probably a major concern there. I mean, did you, do you think that there's members on the board who just don't think it's an issue? Or I don't do know you, if they you, necessarily don't think, I think. I think they see that it's an issue, maybe not as much of an issue as other people see it that it is. Um, I think they have like, this is not an opportune time. <laughs> um, I don't think that there's necessarily legal issues with it from, you know, everything that I was talking or everyone I was talking about, about it. Um, but I don't know, I guess some members, like I said, some members of the board just feel like it's USPA overreaching. Like it's not our place to be involved with, those types of things that happen on the drop zone. Yeah, there's a, that's also a tough for, spot. Yeah, for, for also spot. for listeners who who aren't familiar with Jedi, um, it was a uh, justice, equity, diversity, and uh, inclusivity inclusion. or in, in, inclusion. Inclusion, I think. Yeah, yeah. justice, equity, diversity, inclusion. It was a it was a big push by Melissa <laughs> Nelson to try to kind of uh, 
try to see some changes in, in, in USPA to issues on, on those topics that she believes are occurring. Um, and like we, like Alex said, it was brought up earlier at the, the board meeting a couple months ago, two months ago. Yeah, I guess yeah. Yeah, about two months ago. So, yeah. So, I mean, I know that Nicole and, and, and Melissa are still pushing that. So we'll see what happens with that. But I know that it's definitely something that a lot of people were disappointed with. So I, just in case you had a perspective, I figured I'd bring it up. Yeah. And I mean, you know, candidly, right, there could be a situation where USPA as a whole could just decide, hey, we don't want group members who are not going to uphold these standards. But I feel like that would be a massive radical shift in thinking and in the structure of maybe what USPA is in general, right? Because we could very easily be like, okay, this is something that we we don't want in our membership. And if you don't abide by these rules, because we have our group membership pledge, and if we put something into that group membership pledge where it said something to the like, if you tolerate this behavior on the drop zone, then you are no longer you know eligible to be a group member, right? That could be a very radical shift. A group, me- a group membership is specific to the drop zone, not the individual jumper. Correct. Yeah. So, I mean, that's something that's definitely been, I mean, it's definitely talked about whether group member drop zones should be adhering to a certain standard, if you will. I don't know. It's, I don't know if people are ready for it yet. (laughs) Unfortunately. Yeah, that's a big statement right there. And one that I kind of agree with that, that is the big question. Are, Are USPA members at large ready for that type of change? And I, and I understand the other, the other side of it, you know, I know that like a couple of people who are running for national are just like, we don't want more changes. We don't want more, you know, regulations. We don't want to, to dictate and, and cause more and more bureaucracy in, within the sport. Let the sport take care of itself. Yep. Um, but and I get that too. You know I mean? As, as yeah. sad ever, that's who, that's historically who it is. It's like, ah, fuck the government, right? Like we don't want, we don't want regulations. We don't want these kind of things. You know, it's, that's kind of where base jump people break off into base jumping and base jumpers aren't regulated so they can kind of do whatever they want you know but as an organization that does necessarily have to follow some legal standards you know there's there's definitely a a change in perspective that's occurring throughout the community at large and the world at large yeah so it's i mean we everybody always complains that's gotta you know we don't have enough females we don't have enough more minorities we don't you know all these unrepresented groups have such or are, are, are lower represented groups and we want to find ways to reach out for them. But then when people actually come along, like, okay, well, here's a solution to that problem. People are like, well, we don't want solutions. We just want to complain about the problem. But if you're going to come up with a solution that requires us to do anything or write something down or make God forbid, make a change in the government's manual. No, 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 no. We don't want that. You know, I once got forcibly resigned from a job um, uh, because they told me that I didn't have a good rapport with the staff. And the reason I didn't have a good rapport with the staff was because I came in and I asked them to take data on some stuff. (laughs) And it's like, all right, well, if you guys want me to change things from the inside out, then things are going to have to change. And if people don't like it, then people aren't going to like it. But don't fire me (laughs) because I'm doing what you asked me to do. (laughs) So it's the same kind of thing, right? It's like if you say there's changes that need to be made, then be open to the changes. And unfortunately, you know, looking at uh, the, the community and talking about people who want to vote and people, you know, I, I was still disappointed with the number of people that voted this election. Do, I, I actually haven't seen the numbers. What was it? I think it was only like five or 6,000. 
total. And we have 40,000 members, 41,000 members. You know, that's a pretty disappointing percentage of the population. And for the amount of people who you hear on, you know, as Facebook warriors and stuff, um, who are like, oh, we want change, we want change, we want change. It's like, well, that wasn't necessarily super reflected, you know? So we'll, uh, we'll see how the next three years play out. We'll see if, you know, people who ran this year run again. And hopefully those people who did run stay involved, you know, because I see a lot of times especially in this national director run that there were some people on there who was like, I don't even know who you are. <laughs> I've never seen you at a board meeting. I've never seen you, you know, do much of anything when in terms of USPA or in, in terms of anything official. So, you know, of course there were some high names on there like JRS, you know, and, and it's like, man, I'm surprised that some of these guys didn't get more votes. So It'll, uh, it'll be really interesting to see how all of that plays out and if people, you know, it, it's just like, it's just politics. It's all politics in general, <laughs> you know. Politics, popularity contest, you know. Yeah, that's it, man. People in the U.S. bitch about how things don't change, but then they elect the same people over and over. <laughs> it is yeah. what it is. It's all the same, right? Yeah, I mean, I, without getting into names, there's a couple of individuals who I, who I really love seeing their names running. And I was super hopeful for them because I know that they have the mentality, they have the experience, they have pretty much they just checked every single box. Absolutely. But I knew that they didn't have the re- the name recognition. Yeah. You know, and and it, and it sucks because when you work in the sport, you get to know them better, and and you know you get to kind of have a little bit more perspective on a lot of people. And like I, I, I'll throw it out there, Larry Liebler is the one guy on that yes. board who I absolutely yes. Uh, yeah, I, I you can't even see on the audio. You're not gonna be able to see how like emphatically Alex is nodding your head, and I'm, and I'm dragging Larry in for for an interview at some point. He keeps avoiding my calls because I'm trying to get him to talk to me. But you know, it just a pilot, a DZM, an experienced jumper, a former tour rep, all these things. But like super passionate, super active, always trying to communicate both on social media and to the board. And I, and that's what I really wanted, but I, as much as I love him, like not a lot of people know who Larry is. That's the thing. I honestly, I had heard of him, but I had no idea who he was. And then I pretty much spent every day of the board meeting with him this time around. Yeah. Um, as part of my, you know, Cincinnati food tour group that I ended up <laughs> <laughs> I think you guys sent me a picture flicking me off one night. We did. We did. Yeah. That was from yeah. some Belgian restaurant or some, some waffle place. It was delicious. Yeah. I love I love my friends. That's how you send me love, the middle finger. Yes, absolutely. But no, I, I mean, you know, Larry and Pam, like they were really great to hang out with and kind of see their perspectives and learn more about, you know, what they're about. Um, and I was, I was super excited to work with him more. So hopefully I do get to work with him more at some point yeah. on whatever we end up doing. So well, if you know if you know him at all, he he's he's a pit bull. He's not he's not gonna let one run discourage him. He'll be back, I'm sure. Yeah. But uh, if, if I've learned anything, you know, I was uh, talking about running for the board and talking about the whole election process. What Melissa Lowe has been doing has been absolutely amazing. And not just in the Jedi proposal and not just in, you know, her popularity in general, but the fact that she set up this whole online forum on yep. Facebook, the fact that she, <laughs> the fact that she <laughs> am I boring you, um, pulling that, that she allowed all of us to put whatever we wanted out there on yeah. her own page. You know, it was a really great way for people to to get engaged, to ask us questions. And I'm really, really thankful that she was able to, to get that going and kind of try starting 
to get people more interested in the in the community besides just the, the regular suspects of people who bitch about things on Facebook. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I really did love her page, not just because one, I mean, it gave access to all the candidates, even the ones who don't have social media, which that's a yes. whole different issue. Um, but, you know, on top of that, it was a forum for people who like, you know, you have all these stupid skydiver forums, like US fun jumpers, Northeast fun jumpers, Florida fun jumpers, Sopadarf, which is a whole different beast, you know? Oh, yeah. And then you had her page where it was just like, really like, let's talk about issues. Let's talk about what needs to be discussed in skydiving as a whole. And before she was elected, that wasn't really a thing. You know, you just had these completely random forms that didn't really give much cohesion and much like, you know, I don't know, substance or structure to the discussions that needed to be had. And, you know, it's one of those things, again, going back to, well, what is, what does USPA do for me? You know? And I feel like that page has allowed more people to kind of ask questions and ask more, have things that have more substance besides just like, oh, well, I don't believe in that. I don't agree with that, whatever. It's like, no, no, no. Like, let's have the discussion. Like, you want to know why? Like, I will explain to you why we do the things that we yeah. do. You know, and, and I you... didn't know any of this process until I actually got involved with the board. Yeah. And I started going to board meetings and I was like, oh, that's how this all works. Okay. Like, this makes a lot of sense now. Yeah, I mean, and, and I wouldn't even say it's like, what is USPA? That was Melissa doing that on her own for the most part. That wasn't yeah. even a USPA thing. But the next no, thing absolutely. you know, she starts, you know, a comment gets posted on her wall, on her her official page. And the next thing you know, Albert is chiming in. And like, yes. okay, well, you know, and like props to Albert for, you know, before getting elected, I did not really see him on social media that much. But he's another one who's kind of embraced it. Now that he's in that position, he's like, all right, I, 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 this is how the masses communicate. I'm supposed to be, you know, representing these, th this whole organization. Let's get on there. Man. And talking about Albert for a minute. I love having Albert in that position as executive director. It is so refreshing. You know, someone who is an active skydiver, active competitor, you know, not that Ed wasn't, I love that Ed was great, yeah. you know, um, but have some, having someone who's now been in the, you know, been in the skydiving industry 20 years, but is still young who has worked in all facets of skydiving. I would not call, I would not and, call him young. Come on. Okay, listen. <laughs> I, just, I just had to throw Albert, that comment out. I had to throw Albert that comment is... out of so he hits me next time I see him. Oh my God. <laughs> I was like, he's older than us, but he's not that damn old, Jesus. <laughs> but no, having someone who's like an active, you can't be pilot competitor, yeah. you know, and just, he competed in accuracy this year at nationals. That I thought was one of the coolest <laughs> things. That I was like, really? All right, cool, whatever. Um, but, you know, someone who's experienced in competition, who's experienced in, you know, marketing and gear and just having all of these ideas. And he's probably one of the most calm, level-headed people that I've ever met to. Yeah. And he's, he's really pushing things. And the staff at USPA love working with him. And I think it's been really great for USPA as a whole to have him in there. Now, you know, again, going back to, he wasn't elected, right? He's not an elected position. He was actually hired. So Albert is a hired position from the board of directors, hired to be the executive director of USPA. So it's not anything that anyone elected. Um, and I think that's kind of an important thing is that, yeah, he's getting paid to do his job and he's already doing it well. And he's only been in not even a year. So I'm really excited to see where he pushes, you know, the organization to, of course, at the discretion of the board, but yeah. even still, I think it'll be really great things is, you know, I've been really involved with the U S team over the last 
five years or so, um, trying to do a lot of the fundraising efforts and being, I've been a team manager, I've been head of delegation, I've done a few things with the U.S. wingsuit team for sure. Um, and to see him automatically be like, I'm going to ride across Virginia to raise money for the U S parachute team. I was like, this is amazing. (laughs) Like having an executive director of the organization who's so involved at the grassroots level is really, really awesome. I love having him there. Yeah. He, again, for me, the biggest immediate son is he, he called me about the ride as well, which was amazing. He, and he raised a ton of money. Yep. But the second I started seeing his name pop up more and more and more on these forums, I was like, this dude gets it. This like mm-hmm. he is passionate. He takes it seriously and he wants to like not just be the face of the organization, but he wants to be a visible face. He wants yes. everybody to know who he is, which yeah. is just amazing. Because again, that social media factor, as much as we all hate it, it's here to stay. Yep. And it's something that has to be accepted by individuals in leadership positions that this is going to be the make or break aspect of communications. Absolutely. Like the magazine is, I I love getting my monthly magazine, but I read about three sections of it, you know? Yep. Yep. Whereas the everyday way that social media works, that is how most skydivers are getting their information about what's happening, what's changing, et cetera. Yep. And before even any of this started on Facebook, I remember, you know, back in 2012 when I got my, or excuse me, when I started skydiving, I, uh, the only thing out there was dropzone.com, right? <laughs> and that's still an active forum. And, uh, it's kind of interesting to see what's going on in that active forum still and who's commenting on those things and who's learning things. And, uh, yeah, you know, this, you're not necessarily getting the same stuff that you're getting on Facebook. That's for sure. Yeah. I mean, I, and I, as much as I hate it, like you hear about incidents, especially fatalities more quickly on social media than anywhere else, which sucks. And I, and I hate that practice, obviously. I think anybody who's been in a sport for more than a minute does, but it's just a reality, you know? And yeah. But I, then there's I, all kinds of conspiracies that come up. I mean, especially with what's been going on right now yeah. with Tom and everything. And it's, and it's tough because you know, it's like, everyone just wants to know what actually happened. But when you start getting in conspiracies, it's, it doesn't help anybody. Yeah. It really doesn't. I mean, and that's and this is, definitely the downfall of social media. I mean, this sure. is an actual interesting idea. I mean, if we think about how important this is and unfortunately how quickly information spreads, even like, I don't know, maybe it's starting like, I, I know when I went through AFF, um, uh, Serena was, was who I think, you know, from, from Z Hills. She, she used to be at a sky, a sky's the limit. I, I remember you met her anyway. It was one of those things that she, that she brought up when I was an AFF student was, Hey, you know, sooner or later, you're going to know somebody who, who, who dies in the sport. Yep. When that day happens, don't be that person posting on social media. Yep. And it's just like, it's, it, no, it's not written down anywhere. It's just one of those, you know, things that anybody who's been in the sport for a minute understands and, and tries to impress upon younger jumpers. But that's one of those things I would love to actually see included in a sim. Something about okay. like, hey, this is a reality that you are going to deal with. like, hey, how to be a professional, courteous, responsible skydiver when it comes to dissemination of information about shit like that. You know, maybe really that's t- something maybe that's something that could could get worked into an AFF course, like an AFFI course somewhere along the way or like any instructor course, coach course, tandem course, you know, like how to disseminate information to students, yeah. you know, and and bringing those things up like don't go change your picture to black like come on <laughs> you know 
because everyone's like, oh, great, who died? And it's like, all right, this is this is not helping anything. But yeah, you know, just more information coming down through AFF instructors and, and instructor rating holders in general. I definitely think it would be a nice thing to include besides just the basics. Like, here's how you teach someone to skydive. No, I mean, let's let's get a little more into that. You know, let's let's be sensitive to other things that happen in the sport and maybe teach them some of the realities of the sport. You know, maybe it's yeah. you hear you hear someone in the sport that dies and then it's a, a friend of a friend and then it's a close friend and then it's someone really close to, you You know, it's like yeah. the longer you're in the sport, the things are going to happen. I know that with base <laughs> with base jumpers, you know, when they go through their course, um, I've seen a course where the first three hours of the course, they sit and watch carnage video. And then after that, it's like, all right, do you still want to do this thing? All right, now let's learn how to base jump, you know? And it's like maybe a little more reality of the sport sometimes could be a good thing. Of course, we never want to discourage anyone from being in the sport either. You know, we, we love to see people in the sport. I love, love shooting tandem video. I love seeing people's first reactions to skydiving, you know? And it's like, there's certain people I'm like, you should come back. You should be a part of this, but you got to be ready for the bad side of things too, yeah. unfortunately. I mean, that's something that like, I think I've discussed with you before is like, when do you have that bowling conversation with, with somebody? Yeah. Yep. And, and that's part of the same thing. You know, we, we want to encourage people to be in the sport, but there's people who just, this isn't, this isn't for them, you know? Yeah. And sometimes yep. it's not just about the fact that they're dangerous. Some, some of them just, they, they give the sport a bad name, you yep. know? And then that's unfortunately some of that, that the social media makes so easy to do. Yep. as you bring up with some of the disciplinary cases that you've seen in the past <laughs> yeah man you know taking that taking this to a whole different direction for for a short period of time um a few years ago i think it was i saw a post on reddit and it was about a skydiver who i don't remember if he was in australia i think he was in australia maybe england um but he had a difficult time going through aff and was kind of given the bowling conversation and coming to find out he was autistic and of course, like being, you know, the person that I am and being in the industry that I am, I was like, huh, like talking about skydivers with disabilities and reasonable accommodations. The issue with this guy was that they were making him wear a full face helmet and he had already had tunnel time and he had, or not, sorry, he was, they were making him wear an open face helmet. He had, he'd already okay, had time yeah. with a full face helmet. Yeah. Sorry. He'd already had time with a full face helmet in the tunnel and he was used to it. He knew how to open and close it. He had his G3, whatever it was. And but the AFF instructors there were like, no, absolutely not. You can absolutely not jump with that. And he had a bit of a sensory overload problem where, because the wind was hitting him so much in the face and he had been used to flying in the air in this, um, sorry. <laughs> uh, he had been used to flying, you know, with the helmet on that he freaked out under canopy and they had or freaked out in a free fall and they had a pull for him and it just became this whole thing and it's like we we would love skydiving to be accommodating for as many people as we want to accommodate it for but it's a very interesting line to talk about skydivers with disabilities and what we can reasonably accommodate and of course i want to try to accommodate everyone like this is kind of what i do right like yeah. i'm so used to taking kids and adults you know on the spectrum out into the world where everyone else lives and it's like, how much of that can we safely do here for people who like, can we make those accommodations? Sure. If there's an accommodation that's not going to hurt anybody, 
why can't we make those accommodations? Yeah. You know, and, and so I, I talked to this guy and I was like, oh no, if you're in the US, like we're going to talk about this. Like, I'm going to come to your AS. <laughs> and he was like, no, no, I'm in Australia. I was like, okay. But, um, you know, I think it's just skydivers with disabilities is a great thing. And I'm, I've been really interested to see how that kind of progresses along with everything. So that was just my little <laughs> side note there. I mean, and I'm kind of curious what what I'm having in that case because I mean, in the U.S., it's it's not a requirement; it's a recommendation, I believe, right? For full face helmet or yes. for an open face helmet? Um, I mean, I, I think it's yeah, it's definitely. I don't even think it's written. I think it's just written as a hard helmet. You know, you can't gotcha. wear a strap hat during AFS, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, you know, so I've definitely seen people who's like, okay, on jump two or three, they can show that they can open and close or whatever, and per the drop zone, like here at Scott of Georgia, as long as you can show that you can reasonably open and close it and then like fog it up and be able to open it under canopy, um, you know, even in a weird situation, if you can show that awareness, yeah, sure. As long as you don't have a tinted visor and we can see your eyes and see whether you yeah, have the that, fear in that your eyes. That could see being an issue, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, but just like some drop, some drop zones require a jumpsuit till 100 jumps, you know? I mean, every, every drop zone kind of has that autonomy there. Um, yeah, I don't even remember how we got into this conversation, but I just wanted to sidebar. Want to sidebar into that? Well, that's what I love about this format. I mean, it, like I said, I, you, I, I just want to know who you are, what the fuck you do, and let's go with that. You know. Um, all right. Well, we've gone about what, who you are, what you do. Actually, what other, what ratings do you have? Because I, I also didn't bring that up, and normally I, I bring that question up early. What ratings? Well, let's see. I mean, I had let my coach rating lapse, but I just got my AFF rating in January with. Uh, the wonderful Mike Watkins. That was a great course. I've actually since helped him out with a coach course that we did here and I got to play bad student. And that was super, super fun uh, during the coach course. Uh, and I would love to do more of that. Um, but besides that, I have a regional and national speed skydiving judge rating. And I have a regional, national and international wingsuit skydiving judge rating. And I'm also an international wingsuit judge trainer. So... I can oh, train no. the international wingsuit judges. Nice little list there. There you go. <laughs> yep. All right. So your term ends in what? Two months? Feb- yeah. February. Uh, th- I think th- it's the next board meeting. Whatever the next board right. meeting is. Yeah. All right. Um, like what's February next 10th. for you? What's next for you? Like, oh, man. Well, I'm really hoping to get back on an eight way team for the 2022 season. I've already, you know, talked to someone, but there's like, 12 candidates on his list and we'll kind of see if I end up as, as one of those eight. So I'm, would be really excited to get back on that team. Looking at the list of people, it would be a really, really fun team. Um, so that would be great. If not, if I don't end up back on a team, I actually kind of want to learn to fly video. I got my first camera suit a few months ago and I still haven't jumped it, (laughs) but I will hook up my camera jacket and I'm contemplating trying to put together. There's a new beginner category in four way. Um, that we tested out this year that we will be doing again at Chicago. Um, and so I'm contemplating seeing if I can put together a beginner four-way team here and teach myself how to fly four-way camera. So uh-huh. that'll kind of be dependent on whether I get on this eight-way team or not. Um, but besides that, you know, I kind of just gonna work on my own skills. I've been doing, you know, I'd been doing a little bit of tunnel time, trying to do a little more free flying. Um, since the last time that, you know, like, as you know, like, let's see, 
Oh God. <laughs> we, we did one free fly jump. It was like 2019 Carolina fest. <laughs> and that was like probably that, yeah. like, I probably had like maybe 20 free fly jumps at the time. And I think, you know, we did like two jumps, maybe at Summerfest, maybe one free fly jump at Summerfest this year. And I probably have like 40 free fly jumps now. <laughs> but so a little bit more free flying um like i said get back more into wingsuiting but i've only done about 20 aff jumps and i definitely want to do some more aff stuff um and kind of just work on my own skills and you know just take some time for myself which i'm really bad at i'm really bad <laughs> i kind of say, say yes to everything i may not you know if i end up on the eight-way team i might not even be able to judge this year because of the overlap um and the disciplines at chicago so we'll we'll kind of see what happens with that yeah i'm so i'm so stoked for for chicago yeah it's uh, exciting between sdc and skydive midwest like that that yes. that that teaming up right there is i think it's a brilliant epic. idea absolutely brilliant idea like, you know the the georges and then and rook like that was just that's a match made in heaven they're so close to one another and they their facilities complement one another so well not to mention they're both world-class absolutely. facilities in my opinion so you know that I, sure. i'm so i'm for so sure. stoked about this nationals yeah uh, i think it's gonna work out well and i, and I think that if, if you know more drop zones had kind of thought about that and started working together to do these nationals so that one drop zone doesn't get so overwhelmed you know I mean, yeah. it, it's right now when we're doing this mondial style nationals we're getting you know three four weeks of competition and that's a that's a lot of time that's a toll on a drop zone you know that's probably a lot of money lost for the drop zone too because nationals <laughs> you don't make money at nationals yeah. and uh you know then you're losing potentially a lot of tandem business and so it'd be kind of nice for people to split things a little but still have it as working together so yeah i'm really excited I mean, to see how that plays out yeah i mean in but in past years it has been split where you've had all the canopy stuff at one dz you've had you know it's happened before hasn't it yeah but not under but that's been like these are now these have been under one encompassing banner you know, okay, of like yeah, yeah. the 2021 yeah, yeah. USPA Scott Ivy Nationals. It's not like the Scott, the free fall nationals, and yes. the parachute yeah, nationals yeah. kind of that we've had it yeah. in the past, or like the wingsuit nationals will be here. You know, it's really nice having the camaraderie of having everyone Abs at one yeah, drop absolutely. zone. And this nationals was weird. This nationals at Eloy was strange because we had the main drop zone and we had Sawtooth, you know, and we were half an hour from Eloy. So it was kind of a weird thing like that, even though it was the same drop zone running things, you know, like we had us bastard children of wingsuiting and speed and accuracy and crew over at, at Sawtooth and then, you know, uh, four way and eight way and all that stuff over at Eloy. But I think they did a, they did a really good job of making sure that, you know, we all kind of were accommodated. And, and I think that with the world championships being there next year at Eloy, that they're going to do an even better job making sure that all those, everything's accommodated there. So nice. I mean, they, they definitely have the facilities and they definitely, they definitely have the planes. They have the planes <laughs> for sure. They have the planes, they have the pilots, they have the ground crew for sure. Brian yeah. Burke is a, is an awesome man <laughs> running the ground crew there. So. All right. Well, anything else that you're trying to accomplish last second before you walk away from, from your term as regional? Uh, you know, one thing that I really wanted to try to do, um, and I don't know if I'll be able to get a chance to do it before I leave is trying to get more, you know, talking about accommodations and skydiving in general. Uh, I think there's a need for more things in Spanish. Uh, we have such a huge Spanish speaking population, not only in the US, but in USPA in general, um, that I really think it's time for the USPA to get on making things accessible in Spanish. 
um, as a starting point, you know, of course, like we have group member drop zones all over the world, but some of the biggest ones are in Spanish and to create, continue creating, you know, high quality instructors under that USPA banner. I think it's really important for there to be a good solid translation of both the SIM and the IRM in languages that people naturally understand. I'm the kind of person who I do a whole lot better in writing than I do speaking or listening or anything. You know, I write better and I read things better and I understand them better when I see them, you know, in written language. So I think that in order to help those instructors um, who are who are trying to learn, trying to pass on this information, I think having copies of these in Spanish is definitely a good starting point. Um, the argument has been that things have been translated. I know there's a group of Colombians that have translated uh, the SIM and the IRM, but I I would really like to see USPA kind of take this under the USPA banner and start in including more populations. What What's the status on that? Has anything been moving forward or? Uh, not so you're not the first person um, to bring this up. I've heard I've heard this conversation no. before. <laughs> uh, you know, there's oh man. So there was one conversation that we had at at the at the board meeting about SNTAs and foreign SNTAs, and Ron Bell kind of has that foreign SNTA situation, and we kind of I kind of got into a little bit of a heated discussion um, about allow you know it, it more came over to disciplinary actions and things like that. But that aside, I feel like there are some members of the board who don't necessarily feel that again it's our place to be able to accommodate a whole nother group of people who aren't necessarily, you know, USPA members, even though they are members, but they're foreign affiliates. It's just, it's a weird sticky situation. And, you know, again, talking about going back to how certain people aren't ready for things. So. Gotcha. That's, it's, it's, it's unfortunate that we Hopefully have, at some I mean, point. Yeah. Hopefully at some point, you know, but you know, it's, I don't know. I would love to see more inclusive groups want to get involved at USPA level, you know? Yeah. Uh, I mean, we, we're, we're definitely on the same page just, and I think, I think most jumpers in our generation are, I think we just need to keep pushing for it. Yep. Absolutely. So, well, so yeah. we getting those people involved and, you know, the people who, who want to be involved and want to be represented, if we can get people represented, that's, that's what it is, you know, but I definitely talked to a lot of, uh, you know, U.S. citizens who are from other countries, and I've talked to some of the South Americans and stuff, and they're definitely, they're definitely, you know, all about having a SIM and an IRM in Spanish. And I think it would just be a matter of of funding, getting someone staffed, like even if it's a contracted staff, to just be like, okay, after every update, every every board meetings, we have, you know, someone fix whatever we translate. Of course, the initial translation might take a minute, but again it's already done. We just have to work with the people who have already done it and then get someone to be able to, to keep things updated. But I think it's, I think it's an important need for people in the community. Yeah, for sure. All right, Alex. Well, start wrapping up. Um, first off, thanks again for coming on. Yeah. You know, I, miss, you know, I'm, you know I miss you. Um, I know, great job. <laughs> great job over the last couple of years. Um, and your role as regional. I uh, personally, I always follow like, I, I, mean, I love my regional Shauna Finley. She's I love Shauna. She's amazing. <laughs> um, 
and another one of the female regionals, which is awesome that she's from my region because I love her so much. Yep. But yes. you know, you you kicked ass for the last three years, and I have a feeling that you're not going to step away from being a passionate advocate for the issues you feel strongly about, regardless of eight way or anything else you get involved in. I, I have a feeling that you're still going to be a very vocal individual in the sport. So yeah, thank you for, for sure. that. Cause you know, we need more of that. So for sure. Yep. So anyway, thank you again for coming on. Um, any last comments? No? When are you going to run for the board's edge? Wow. <laughs> wow. Uh, <laughs> we'll get you in there at some point. Yeah, I mean, I, I've considered it, and you are not the first person to say that I should. Obviously, I'm a loudmouth who has strong opinions on a lot of things. Um, I, well, you'd have, it, to run as, you'd have to run as Nagital, though, because we can't lose Shauna. That's, my, that's a huge part of it. I don't, I don't want to run against Shauna because I love her so damn much. Um, and I think she does an amazing job, both as a regional, like, she's fantastic, you know, and I personally would not feel comfortable running for national until I've been at the regional level. I think that people should should at least walk through the steps and learn more about it um, before they reference. I that's that's my biggest personal stumbling block because I'm in a region where I don't want to displace an amazing regional director. Um, and then I hope I'm trying to go to law school next year. So if I do that, I'm not going to have time for about three years. But then, man, but you'd be a perfect you perfect addition to the governance committee. Yeah, I think there's members of the governance committee who w- would kill you for even suggesting that. <laughs> um, I think I would be their worst nightmare if I was a member of that committee. No, it'd be wonderful. Really? Yeah, because I, I, I remember, I'm not going to name names, but I remember uh, when I was running for Blue Skies and I ran into a PIA and yep. uh, a member of that particular committee is like, oh, are you one of the writers for Blue Skies who thinks I'm a, I'm a crotchety old skydiver who only belly jumps? Yeah, that 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 reaction is forever cemented into my mind. Um, yep. So I doubt that I'd be too welcome there. But then again, that's maybe exactly why I should be there. Hey, man, you know, we're talking about turning turning things on its head, right? Maybe it's like, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, after law school, I, I mean, I don't plan on stopping skydiving over the next couple of years. Um, I, I, I'm sure that'll limit my numbers, but I'm still going to stay an active jumper and still stay active in the community. Like, like I said, just like I know you are. So, yep. Yep. you know. And yeah, so I can't, I can't wait to see what you, now that you're not a member of the board as well, I have a feeling that's actually going to open you up to a little bit more vocalness on certain issues. We'll see. We'll see. um, I I tend to, I tend to put, not put anything out there that, uh, you know, permanently can be forever etched. I mean, now, of course, we've just had all this conversation that's going to be on the internet forever, but (laughs) I know I, I, I try to take things very, um, I don't know professionally as much as I can while being vocal enough to really kind of press the issue as far as I can. Well, professionally speaking, I think that you have a little bit more leeway now that you're not going to be a board member. How about that? Is that a fair statement? Yeah. Whether I'll take that leeway or not, we'll see. see. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I may never have a chance of getting back on the board. (laughs) Or that'll be the reason that you get back on the board. Hey, let's be honest here. All right, Alex. Well, thanks again for your time. Um, And once again, everybody, this has been Zedjemski with Alex Rainman on the Lunatic Fringe Into the Void. Stay tuned for future episodes. And thanks for tuning in. Have a great day, everybody. 
And there you go. Another episode of Lunatic Fringe Into the Void in the Can brought to you, as always, by, that's right, NZ Aerosports. Fuck yeah. Brought to you by Summit Parachute Systems. Head to summitparachutesystems.com. You can check out the badass pilot rigs that Jarrett Martin and the family are cranking out over there, as well as the incredible rigging courses that Jarrett gives. As for me, I am the fucking pilot. Head to thefuckingpilot.net or theprincesspilot.com where you can find links to all the previous podcasts and both the books. We'll see you next time.